Hey everyone, this is Walton Biz Talk, a student-run podcast created by the Business Communication Lab in the Salmon Walton College of Business, where we have casual conversations about professional things. I am Kiara Lozano. And I'm Ryan Decker. And this season, we're talking about stories of adaptability. The world turned upside down in March because of COVID-19, and we have all of that to figure out on the new normal. So our guest today, Savannah Baber, is a senior corporate trainer at P Consulting Firm. Over the summer, I had the opportunity to intern for the company and have Savannah as my boss and mentor. Throughout my experience company, I learned a lot about the importance of adaptability in the workforce, and I am so happy to have Savannah give her take on the meaning of adaptability and how it has played an impact in her career. Thank you so much for joining us, Savannah. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. Yeah. Okay. So before we get more into it, just tell us a little bit more about yourself and what made you want to go into this field. Cool. So I grew up in Louisiana uh, my whole life until I was 18. And then I went to Arizona State, which yes, is a huge jump. Um, But I always kind of growing up, I always kind of felt that I was like meant for something bigger. Um, It was certainly bigger than like the bubble that was Shreveport. I always make a joke that Shreveport's like the armpit of the United States, (laughs) which like makes me sound hateful, but it's just kind of like one of those small towns and everybody, they're just growing up. Everybody just goes into one of those like vicious cycles where, you know, they went to the high school their parents went to, they go to the same college their parents went to, they end up working for their parents and they vacation at the same places every single year. I just thought it was boring. I was like, how basic, you know, I just feel like I meant for something bigger and better than that. Uh, So I went to Arizona State and I was like, oh, I'll be the cool Southern chick. Everyone's going to love me. It didn't really happen that way. Um, But it was, I really learned a lot. It was just the first time that I was finally the different person in an environment. They were like, who's the weird girl with the weird accent, the weird jokes and the the weird stories. We don't know her. And I was like, I don't talk funny. You people talk funny. (laughs) So I learned a lot. Um, But at Arizona State, I studied communication and tourism management and development because I love to travel and I definitely don't have any issues communicating with people. My mom would tell you that I've never met a stranger uh, just because it's never been hard for me to talk to other people. Um, A lot of my work background is in event production. So I did large scale event management, music festivals, uh, food festivals, things like that. But with the firm with which I was working for in Arizona, uh, the short version is I was just overworked and undercompensated. So I was working like 20 hour days and I was begging them to pay me the minimum wage, not just the minimum wage for event producers, but minimum wage for the state of Arizona. And I was, this wasn't really what I'd signed up for. Um, and I, uh, in that position, you know, as I think any young professional should, any young professional should do, I went to them and I was like, Hey, you know, I just graduated from college. Um, I have all this work experience and I'm just hoping we can like meet in the middle, like, and just like up this compensation, just like a hair. Like I wasn't asking for anything crazy, right? Like I wasn't asking for like 75 K a year or anything like an entry level position. I just was like, you know, can, I can't move out of my parents' house. Like, what can we do to kind of like meet in the middle? And they said that I was lucky to have a position like that and that they could hire anyone up under a bridge to do my job. And I was like, "Uh, really? (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, I'm going to take lunch then. And I told myself that day that if anything, if nothing changed in that role for me, then I was out. And so nothing changed and I moved on. Um, And during that time period, I also found out that um, a male counterpart of mine was being paid double what I was for half of my work. 
So that was a huge decision in my role to decide to do something else. And I also like never want to sound hateful. I had really, really cool experiences and I got to meet really cool people and eat really good food too. But it just ended up not being what I was looking for. And having studied communication, I, I told myself in college that I wanted to study something I could apply to any kind of field that I wanted because I didn't want to be tied down to anything. I don't know about y'all at school right now, but I have had plenty of friends who like started off as like a civil engineer major. And then halfway through college, they're like, I want to be a nurse. And they have to start over, right? Which is insane to me. Like one, that's exhausting. Two, it's so expensive. And three, it just, the, the biggest cost is your insanity, right? So I just didn't want to be tied down to anything. So I studied communication. And then when I decided to change careers, I was like, wow, I have so many options. I have no clue what I want to do. Um, and I, so I just kind of applied everywhere. I knew that I wanted to move out of Arizona. I, um, I just was kind of out starting to outgrow it. I could feel myself starting to get too comfortable around there. Uh, which it was not good for me. And so certainly given like the experience that I'd had so far, I was like, I just need something fresh. And I, you know, I'd moved cross country before I like, knew what it was about. I was like, hell, if I can do that, I can do anything. Um, and so I applied everywhere um, to different kinds of positions. I was applying for, you know, event management firms. I was applying for um, sales roles. I was applying for, you know, anything that anyone who would give me a chance at that point, because again, I just was, didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, and our office in Nashville was like the third or fourth office to respond to LinkedIn has this easy apply feature. I'm not, I'm sure that y'all have heard of it, but you upload your resume and you just hit like bam, 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 bam. And the reason why that worked out for me really well is because one day I, you know, I, I resigned from my position because let me make it very clear that I did not quit. <laughs> I have formally resigned because I don't quit anything. Um, but I resigned right before the holidays. And I don't know if y'all have ever been single or unemployed around the holidays or maybe even both like I was, um, but it's really not ideal. So I, one of the things that my mom had said to me that winter around the holidays, she was like, you know, Svanna, I just love having you home. You know, why don't you just move closer to home? Why don't you stay here? And, you know, we can just like live in Shreveport together and like always go to lunch and, you know, like run into our friends and you can just live here for the rest of your life. And I was like, no, <laughs> please. Oh God, no, 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 no. And like kind of had a little bit of a, another, one of several crises that happened over the three weeks that I wasn't working. And I just easy applied like 12 roles. Nashville office was the third or fourth people to respond to me. I flew out for my day of observation and because back then, you know, pre-COVID um, or PC, right, <laughs> is that rather than like BC or anything, I've been using PC lately because I think it's really funny. That's great. But I, um, I flew out for my day of observation. So I got to see the office. I'd been to Nashville before with my last job. And I knew Nashville was really cool. Um, and it was, you know, back in the South, which I, you know, had been itching to get back to. And I... Um, it just checked every single box that I was looking for. Um, th this role specifically with our company is merit-based, so which means there's no seniority, which like I told y'all previously, was an issue that I'd had with my last role. Um, it was growth-based, so something else in the event management industry is that you tend to have to teach yourself a lot of things and be able to like just figure it out. And that was something that I... I got really good at, but I just really craved being trained and being taught something rather than just have to like scramble and like lose my sanity over, you know, an impossible task. And so with this role is I was, they gave me all the, all the thorough training for everything. 
they would never like kick me off the edge of um, a, a diving board and say, we hope that you can swim. I get thorough training. I'm entirely in control of my own compensation. And I get, all I do is walk, talk and smile all day. I walk, I, I walk into the office. I talk to the people on my team. Awesome. I go out in the field. I speak to business owners. I talk to them. I say the same thing over and over again. And I made $1,500 last week. So it just was really simple. And it just was a no brainer for me. So I picked up my whole life again and moved to Nashville. Uh, I got promoted twice in three months. They asked me to expand to the Dallas market and pilot this campaign down here. And it's been really, really fun. It doesn't feel like that was a year and a half ago. It feels like so pretty fresh um, just because every single day is different around here. And certainly like sin COVID, it was, I feel like we're just kind of missing like a chunk of time. Um, but yeah, that's kind of fast forwarding to now. Um, I got to intern Kiara or she interned for me rather. Um, and it was, uh, a lot of fun. I, one of my favorite things is that I just get to help people and I get to talk to people and I get to hang out with people like me all day. Uh, but yeah, that's, I guess a short version of <laughs> my life story. Yeah. <laughs> No, for sure. I totally agree with that. That's probably one of my favorite things about um, the internship was being able to be like mentored and have that um, accountability and that teamwork and stuff like that. So um, I definitely agree with that. So I know you kind of briefly said that you've um, been working at the Dallas office for a year and a half now. So how mm -hmm. long overall were you working for like P consulting firm? And then what kind of motivated you to like really just branch out and like go with the company and start the new office in Dallas? For sure. So I've been working for Sarah McPeak for about a year and a half. So February 2019 was when I moved to Nashville. <clears throat> and we moved to Dallas August of that year. So okay. I've been in Dallas just about, a, I guess, slightly over the year. Um, but when I, it was just so funny because I lived in Nashville for like three months and they were like, so Savannah, like, you know, we're going to open this Dallas market. Um, and we really think that you should come. And I was like, the funny thing is though, is that you would think I, my first reaction would have been like, no, like I just moved to Nashville. But what's crazy about that is that the weekend before I'd gone to my first conference in Atlanta and I met a lot of people in this industry had been doing it for like 10 years and they'd made cross country moves. They'd moved to the UK. They'd moved to Brazil. They'd moved to South Africa. Like they'd done like bigger things than I'd ever thought I'd ever be capable of. But, and they just, I really, I don't know if you've ever heard the term of drank the Kool-Aid, but I just really like drank the Kool-Aid on the opportunity. Like I was in, I was like, okay, like this is it for me. And I knew that they were expanding to Dallas and Sarah was my best friend in this industry at that point. So I was like, well, there ain't no way in hell I'm letting her go without me. Right. <laughs> like I am I had the FOMO that I, I had, I was like, there's no way I'm letting them have all the fun without me. So that was really what I was thinking in my head. So really I was begging them to like almost begging them to ask me to move with them. And the following weekend after that conference, Sarah, I had Sarah over at my apartment in Nashville for dinner. And I was like, so like, what's your one year plan, Sarah? And she was like, well, um, we're moving to Dallas and um, you're kind of part of the equation. And I was like, I was like trying to act cool. I was like, oh really? So, uh, you know, what does that entail? She was like, well, you know, we're gonna, we're still gonna work with AT&T. We're still going, you know, I, I, you know, for now anyway, you know, depending on how long or how well that market does. Um, but it's a great opportunity to, it's a fresh market. We don't have a campaign down there like this at all. Um, certainly not with this client. So a fresh market, um, a huge job market down here in this market as well. So with the amount of universities that are in the DFW area, the, the recruiting was huge. Um, 
And we expanded very, very quickly. And I also like one, I knew that I was gonna be with my best friends Two, I am now that I live in Dallas, only two and a half hours from my hometown in Shreveport. Um, so I, that was a no brainer too, because having lived so far away from my family, I'm the oldest of five as well. So all, all my younger siblings were like having all these milestones in their life, like, you know, graduating from high school, getting their first car, you know, going to the prom, things like that, that I didn't get the opportunity to be a part of because I was such a workaholic. And with my last job, I was traveling every single weekend. And, you know, I was missing out not only on my friends' lives, but my family's lives too. So for me, there was just no, there was no choice. Like I knew that I was going to do that because it was the right choice. Not that I was like forced into it by any means. It just was the right opportunity. So, and I'd done it before, you know, I was like, well, hell, I guess I just unpacked. I'll pack her all right back in. Good thing I saved the boxes. And it just was, I don't know. It was just, it just was no brainer for me. Now I know that that's not the case for every single person. There were plenty of things that really set me up for success there. So one, I have really supportive parents. So my parents were like, hell yeah, do it. Like, I remember I drove down to Shreveport to surprise my mom for Mother's Day when I, or was it Mother's Day? I don't remember what it was. Maybe it had to have been around Mother's Day. I drove down to Shreveport for, to, to surprise my mom. It was like a 10 hour drive from Nashville. And she was like, oh my God, what are you doing here? This is crazy. And I was like, I know, right? And then she was like, okay, so like, how's everything going? How's work? And I was like, funny you should ask. Um, they actually just asked me the other night to expand the Dallas market. And as I, as most parents would, that you would think that they're like, oh, you know, Savannah, like you should think about this. Like, you know, have you, have you addressed every single bullet here? Like, what are the options? My parents not even kind of close. They were like, oh my God, thank God. Yes, you're going to be so close. And I was like, okay, cool. Like my parents were thrilled. That's awesome. Even when I got the opportunity in Nashville, like my mom, my mom is the smartest, funniest woman on the planet. That might be sound really biased, but it's inarguable to anyone who's ever met her. And when I got the job offer to move to Nashville, so before even expanding to the Dallas market, my mom had been like waiting all evening because I'd had a day of observation. So I was in the office or like in the field, like all day. Right. And then I went back to my hotel room in Nashville and I was like, ah, you know, they say I have to wait until like seven 30. I might get a call. I don't know. I'm kind of freaking out. Like maybe I should get a cocktail. And she was like, Oh my God, I'm going to dinner. Like call me when you hear something. And I got the call. I got the job. I got the offer. And I don't even remember what I said. I like blacked out. I was so excited. And I called my mom and she picks up on the first ring. She's like, hello. And I was like, oh my God, I got the job. And she was like, oh, yay. And it was so funny because she was like, oh my God, you know, I've just, I've just been sick all day. You know, I just, I'm so excited for you. This just the, the anxiety was worse than when you were trying out for the cheerleading squad. And I was like, okay, not the same. Um, <laughs> but thank you. I'm thrilled that you're just as excited. So my point being is that I really had my parents behind me is that they, it made it super easy. Is it like, especially moving to Arizona State, they were like, get out. My mom is from Shreveport, lived in Shreveport her entire life, technically still lives there because I have two siblings who are in high school there. She was like, get out. When I moved to Nashville, you know, I was going, I was doing a new opportunity. You know, I was doing things for myself that I think that past generations didn't have the opportunity to do. And then moving to Dallas, I was that much closer to home. And again, just climbing that ladder. So moving just was a no brainer for me. No, that's awesome. And it's good to have that background, that support, especially when it comes to, to moving and, you know, trying something completely new, like you had no idea what to really expect out of Dallas. So that that's awesome. Uh, So yeah, so like talking a little bit more about you moving to Dallas, what was it like to just live in a new city, have those opportunities? And I know you said that your parents were really, really supportive on that. But what really like, 
was there any challenges or anything that you had to adapt to to the change of you know cities and cultures and stuff like that oh totally and you know my friends always make say that I make it sound really sexy but the reality is that it's it was really hard like I don't want to sugarcoat that at all is that especially my first and moving to Dallas specifically that move was not hard for me because I'd done it a couple of times I was like all right I know what to expect like I'm gonna have to find in my new grocery store I have to find a new nail salon you know I have to like find a whole new group of friends things like that that I was already expecting but I think it kind of goes back to when I moved to Arizona was that there are just a few things that I didn't expect because growing up in the small town that I did, you can't go anywhere without running into someone that you know, right? So like you can't go to the grocery store, you can't go to the cafe, you can't go to the gas, I mean, nowhere, okay? And it was wild. And I will never forget though, that the, the first day I walked the entire diameter of Tempe's campus, which Arizona State is like one of the largest private schools or public schools in the nation rather, it's huge. And so I walked like two miles from one end of the campus to the other. And I realized that I did not run into a single person that I knew. And I was like, oh God, what have I done? And I mean, slowly but surely, like those circles start to expand. And it was something that I actually really loved. It was the kind of being this like, you almost start to get a sense of like, I'm part of something like so, so much bigger than me. For instance, like I, my first lecture, my freshman year was a communication 100 class. Now, let me preface that my graduating high school class was like 130 kids. I walked into my first lecture and it was like 560. I called my, wow. I, turned, I literally pivoted. I turned around, I called my mom. I was like, I can't do this. There's no way. And she was like, oh my God, you're gonna be fine. Just go in, find a seat, you know, make a friend. I was like, oh, okay, fine. Like, as soon as the class ended, I was like, oh God, I made it. She was like, I told you you would. Um, so it was little things like that, that I just all of a sudden was kind of, it was very uncomfortable. And like my first couple of weeks at Arizona, I, all my friends stayed you know, around the SEC. I had friends who went to Arkansas, who went to Ole Miss, Alabama, you know, and I didn't, there weren't too many of us that went that far away. And so kind of, I remember like that first semester was really hard because all of my friends, I also like went through sorority recruitment. I, you know, I did everything I could to like make, you know, kind of like find those friends and which I loved, which like ended up being like huge for my success in the long run. But the way they do a lot of those on-campus organizations, the way they set them up is you can't really join them. Like in not any of like the preliminary like meetings or hangouts or parties or anything like that, or even start until like a month into school. So a lot of my other friends at LSU or at Arkansas, not only we're still with some of our friends from high school, but we're already making other friends because they'd already gone through sorority recruitment before school started, or they were already part of their on-campus organizations, or they were close enough to drive back and forth from home. I was 22 hours drive from Shreveport. And if I wanted to get on an airplane, I mean, that's a whole other ordeal, right? Certainly living in Shreveport, you always have to connect. There's no nonstop. So it's, it was a big ordeal for me to try and get home. And so that was a big thing too, is I was like, like, I remember calling my mom. I was like, I, I don't know if I can do this. Like, this is, I, I'm the different one here. People were unkind too. Like you'll notice right now, people always comment like, you don't, oh, you don't really have like an accent or anything. I'm like, well, it's because people were really mean. They were really, really unkind. And I like, I won't ever forget that. And this is also something that really, really changed the game for me in regards to like helping other people and like in regard to my adaptability is that I'll never forget that this girl who, by the way, had lived in Arizona her entire life and had never left the state said something along the lines of, you know, I don't know why people think Southern accents are so charming. I just think that you sound stupid. 
And I was wow. like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, wow. Okay, um, interesting considering uh, the dy- dynamic here, um, but I'm just gonna roll with that. I called my mom, I was like, I gotta go home for fall break. And <laughs> she was like, ticket booked. Um, but it, I found, so like now a lot of people say I have like a work voice, you know, like I just, over time, it just kind of, I found myself kind of diminishing that a little bit. One, because I just, I've honestly, I was kind of ashamed, you know, a lot of people would say like really unkind things about being from the South and that's not, some of them you cannot deny. Right. And also I was just, but I also was like, no, like I'm different. You know, I left there. Like I'm this different kind of person. They're like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, whatever. Um, so little things like that, that made it really difficult. But I think that what really changed for me was that I just kind of decided that I had to make it work because there was absolutely no way that I was going to move to Arizona and then move back to Shreveport because I couldn't do it. Right. My, like I, at the time I was dating this boy who, um, his whole family was born and raised in Louisiana and his mom, I came home for like fall break or for Christmas or something. And his mom said to me, you know, Savannah, I know you're having a lot of fun, but when are you going to give up on this Arizona thing and move home and take care of my son? And I was like, never. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, the audacity, first of all. And then second of all, I was like, you know me at all, right? I just was like, I'm not going, not going to do that. And so I just, there was no way in hell that I was going to admit that I couldn't do it. You know, I just couldn't face the shame. And I think the same thing happened when I moved to Nashville is I was like, well, there's no way in hell I'm moving back to Arizona because, you know, I couldn't make it work here. I picked up my whole life to move to Nashville for this job that, you know, I definitely thought I understood, which, you know, ended up a lot. Any time you do like a big move or you start a new career, there's always things that you didn't realize, like things that, you know, you fell in love with the opportunity, but you didn't realize there was gonna be more on top, right? And like those things that when they came, there was no way in hell I wasn't going to be able to take over them and like accomplish them and move back to Arizona because I couldn't do it. And the same thing happened when I moved to Dallas, you know, it was was like, okay, well now I'm on a roll here. I see a trend. Like I'm going to move to Dallas and I'm going to have all the perks of moving to Dallas, but I'm going to make it work because there's no way that I'm going to move to Nashville for this opportunity with the same opportunity, move to Dallas and not make it work. It has to happen. No, it's not going to. And the reality is that it didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen or in the time frame that I wanted it to happen, but it's happened. And I think that that's what a lot of people don't really expect is that they think like, oh, I'm gonna do this thing and it's go exactly the way I want and it doesn't. And that's just kind of the truth. So I think that those are probably some of the biggest challenges was that I just, I don't know if I, I think that like I jumped in and I was like, oh, I'll be fine. And I kind of, done, I've kind of always done everything in my life that way, like flying by the seat of my pants, I suppose. And I think that the biggest thing is I just wasn't really prepared for how different things were going to be. Now, I'm not saying that that was like the worst part or like that. I would not saying that like it's that should deter anyone from anything. But I think that I just I was really excited and I was like drunk on the opportunity and I wasn't prepared for the amount of times that I would have to check myself. Like, for instance, like I, there were plenty of times like each time I've made a move. It's always about like three weeks. It happens in three. So like every like three weeks or every like three months. I have like a little bit of a breakdown and I'm like, oh, I just miss my friends. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I just want to go home and like have wine and pasta salad with my mom. And like, that's just what I'm in the mood for right now. Okay. And that's okay though. You know, I think that that's the point is a lot of people think that it's going to be like all hunky dory and like, you're just going to figure it out. And like, it's going to go the way that you want, you want, and it doesn't. So I'd say those are probably some of the biggest challenges that I had with any move that I had. 
Yeah, and I think that's one thing that you touched on, um, like what other people were saying too. Sometimes, you know, you're doubting yourself sometimes or you're like, you know, can I do this? Will I succeed? Like what's next for me? And then when you have people outside too saying like, oh, you should do this or like, why are you here? Like in Arizona, you're like, why are you here? Like, this is weird. And like having all of those different perspectives thrown at you, it can be difficult. And especially now when everything, no matter what it is, isn't going how we expect it to go. It, it can be very hard to, you know, keep that resolve. So do you have any advice for people going through similar things about how to stay true to yourself and how to, you know, keep adapting through whatever life throws at you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say probably the biggest thing is like, do things for yourself that you really enjoy, right? Now, whether it's like, for me, it's like one of the best things I can do for myself is like, as cliche or like stereotypical as it sounds, is like, I'll cook myself a pot of gumbo because like that is like the soul of like my entire existence, right? And then it's like little things throughout the day or throughout the week. Like, you know what? I'm going to Target today because I feel like it. And you know what? I need a candle because I want a candle. And like those things that, you know, that like make yourself happy, do those things. And like, find. there's, I mean, and for me, like that's an easy one because there's a target in every single market, right? Like it's very, uh, there. and I personally would never move to a place where there's not a target for those reasons, right? But I would say that like, it's sometimes, it's just those little things, you know, I think that you have to find, you have to take the time to find yourself in these new opportunities. So for instance, like when I moved to, when I moved to Arizona, like anyone I met that like knew anything about Louisiana, I was like, oh, oh my God. So you've been to Mardi Gras. Okay, cool. So you get it. So like you and I can like connect on this level. Right. But also like being willing to like share those experiences with people and also be able to realize that like you actually might be the different person in that scenario. You actually might be the one that like gets to share these different kinds of experiences with new people and taking that with a grain of salt. Because I think a lot of the times something that I did that I wish that maybe if I could go back and think of it differently was that I'd get really defensive. And I'd be like, oh, well, you know, you don't even know, like, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I feel so uncomfortable now. But the reality is that like a lot of those girls or like a lot of the people that I would interact with, you know, didn't even know where Louisiana was on a map. Right. So it just kind of taking that with like a, oh yeah, well, no, it's a, you know, I'm the, I'm the golf right there. It looks like a boot. Um, and just being a little more like nonchalant about it, about it rather than being like, oh, well, like, what do you mean? You know, you're the crazy person, you know, like you don't know anything about like my life or where I'm from. And just being able to like really kind of lower the expectation because I, th I think and when I say lower the expectation, I mean, lower the expectations of yourself and the people around you and the circumstances around you. And when I kind of expanding on that is that like, I think that something that I really took for granted a lot of this time is that I have really high expectations for myself and in turn had really high expectations for other people. But the reality is that not every single person in this world thinks like you, Kiara, or thinks like you, Ryan. And it's just, and that's okay, right? But I think being able to have the patience and being able to like lower those expectations. Now, I mean, in reality, Kiara, you and I think a lot alike. Like yeah. I said, when you <laughs> for me, like you and I were like always on the same wavelength. So that's why I think like, you and I really collaborated really well together. Oh, for sure. But I think that I've had plenty of people on my team that did not like at all. And so being able to kind of lower that, those expectations and because sometimes you'll say something and like, I, like I could say anything to Kiara and she would just like get it. Right. But there are people on my team who, who did it and being able to kind of lower that expectation, be able to be like, you know what? 
let me figure out a better way for me to explain this to this person because there has to be a way that they can understand that I just don't know yet because I am, I, I never wanted to be the one track mind. I wanted to be able to like apply anything to anybody and being able to like share any kind of knowledge or experience with those people, but being able to communicate it in a way that they will understand. So for instance, I had this guy on my team a while back that was a huge Kansas City fan. Okay. Like yeah. he would marry Patrick Mahomes if he could. Okay. Yes. I but, like this guy already. Right. Okay. So you probably would have gotten really long along really well with him, right? Me and him, nothing in common. Zero, zilch, nada. I was like, okay, great. So I need to figure out how I can explain anything that I have to do to this guy in a way that he'll understand. So I had to watch a lot of Kansas City football because one, I had to build a relationship because I was like, okay, I need to like get on the same wavelength as him one, so that he knows that I'm being genuine, but two, that he'll understand what I'm communicating to him. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah. And so I think that being able to kind of, in turn, like I said, kind of going back is like being able to lower those expectations of people is key. But I think just having that, having the, at lowering the expectations of the environment around you as well is super important because like in my head, I moved to Dallas and I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like I'm getting promoted to management before Christmas. I'm everybody get out of my way. Like nobody can stop me. So there's a lot of things that you can, and there's a lot of things that you can't control. Like COVID, right? <laughs> I think yeah. that that's the biggest one. But I think that different things like, um, like for instance, I had several people on my team who, for instance, like one of them, their grandmother died. She had to move back to Arkansas or um, he had four kids and couldn't start over in an entry-level position. You know what I mean? Like things like that, that like I have nothing to do with that were extenuating to their circumstances that yes, in turn, like affected my outcome, but those were things that I can't control, right? Just like I can't control the weather. I can't control other people's attitudes and I can't control other people's work ethics, right? So really being able to in turn, like use that to manipulate that in your favor is focusing on the things that you can control, like your attitude, your work ethic, and your student mentality, because the man who asks the most questions is going to be the one who wins. And if you're more excited than anyone else in the room, then everybody's going to be attracted to you. And if you can outwork the person next to you, then you're unstoppable. Yeah. I'd like to go back to something you talked about earlier with communication. And you mentioned the example of connecting with this person who you didn't really have much in common with um, at the start but you, you, know, you decided to start watching Kansas City football to connect. And I think that's one thing that we think about in terms of business communication versus just regular communication. Like if you think about just your interactions with your friends, if your friends are interested in a certain TV show or movie or something like that, you'll probably watch it because you know, they're your friends. You're like, oh, I want to be able to communicate with them. I want to be able to connect. And so in business, a lot of times, I think we think it's too professional to do things like that. And we're like, oh, this has to be strictly professional. We have to only talk about work. And that's the only thing we can connect on. And I think that's a great example to show that it's really communication spans all disciplines, all boundaries, whatever, in that you don't have to have a strictly professional connection with someone if there is something like football or something that you can connect with and then apply that to business. So I think that's a great point that you brought up. Yeah. And I think that I've worked for different kinds of organizations where that's literally not allowed. Like when I used to work for Tory Burch, for instance, there's like 
a line item in the paperwork that says that like you won't hang out with like your manager outside of work, which Kiara knows is like the anti of what I do now. Complete right? opposite, yeah. And I understand the mentality behind that because you would never want to show any kind of favoritism over one, por- one person or over the other, right? And that totally makes sense. However, and this is something that I learned a little too late that I wish that I'd really learned from the beginning, but again, given my work experience was, which is different, was that, you know, I always said like, oh, especially like I grew up in the South and I grew up in a Catholic home and I went to Catholic school where like every, literally like you find out something about somebody else and you're like, oh, no, no, that's not my business. Like I shouldn't ask, like, you know, I don't want to gossip. I don't want to know, like literally not my business. And I was saying that to one of the women who runs an office in Boston, her name's Coralie. And I was telling her, I was like, you know, I, I feel like I build great relationships with people, but I, you know, I'm, they're not exactly like a, like, I know that it's not quite the, like, I'll jump off a bridge for this person kind of relationship, you know? And I think that, and what we do is, is crucial. And I've just never really been able to like break past that, which sounds really silly because like, I genuinely care about people, but what she said to me, I was like, cause I, I, I said the exact same thing. I said, you know, Corlai, it's just, it's just really not their information is like, you know, not really my business. And she goes, except that these people literally are your business, Savannah. They are literally, the people on your team right now are going to be people who make you a lot of money someday. Okay, so they are literally your business. Therefore, these things are literally your business. Like you need to know these things because you need to know when they're, what they're motivated by, what they're not motivated by. And then when, you know, something goes on in their life, it's not just like an excuse or anything like that. It's genuinely something that they have to address. And so that Ryan, and thank you for bringing up is something key that I really, really, I think is going to be successful, especially for like our younger generations. Cause I think that like as millennials and as Gen Z, that's something that's really, really powerful is that we're really good at building personal relationships and it should be a strength and it shouldn't be a disadvantage because again, I do understand why organizations in the past, like wouldn't want to do, wouldn't, wouldn't encourage building relationships out of, outside of the office in fear of favoritism. However, with what we do and with you know, my role specifically is that again, like I said, initially is that it's no seniority and it's entirely promotion-based. Now we have a very competitive environment, but that's more to like fuel each other's fire. It's not like I have to wait for Sarah to die or get fired to get promoted to management. The entire idea is that everybody gets to achieve their goals, both personally and professionally. So I think when a no, a no seniority plus like the desire to build personal relationships is one in the same, then it's successful. Because again, like if there was a political environment, like in our workplace, then building the personal relationships wouldn't be fair. Right. Because like I just explained, like I had a really great relationship with Kiara and then I really had like a kind of a, 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 a an awkward relationship with the Kansas city guy. Right. Because I just, I just didn't know him. I didn't know how to relate to him, but because everything's like, no seniority, it's merit-based. Like I could still go out of my way to build personal relationships with them. And because again, like not, neither one of them was going to get promoted over the other. They were going to get promoted at the same time. Does that make sense? Cool. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely agree with that. I think one of my favorite things about like the internship itself was how like relationship based it was. And that's definitely something that I was like looking for. Because um, the job that we have here, like at the communication lab, it's a lot like that, too. It's very relationship based. Um, we all know each other really, really well. And I just think that that just adds in like an additional like level of not only like trust, um, but just kind of 
like accountability and you want to work and do more like with those people because that's like your family essentially that's like your work family and I think that's very important and I definitely think that that is something that um, students our age right now are looking more into um, just because there's just I just feel like a lot of the times before there's been a lot of like toxic kind of just a work environment and I believe that you should work somewhere where you are happy and that you can see yourself like fully succeeding. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's awesome. Um, do you have any like advice that you wish like you had in college when it came to getting ready for the workforce and just getting into like that professional, um, like outlook of, of your life? Totally. Um, number one, go to class just go. Okay. Like it's, there just were so many times where I was like, nah, I'll be fine. Like I'd rather go get coffee or like, you know, watch friends for the 40th time. Like, no, go to class guys. Okay. Which I think neither of y'all really have an issue, but if this is going to be broadcasted to the general public, I would say <laughs> go to class guys. Okay. Like if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're not at class, unplug and go to class. Okay. <laughs> but I would say aside from that is be really down for whatever, because Sometimes being able to literally be DFW or down for whatever is you'll be presented with so many more opportunities that you didn't realize. Like, I can't imagine if I was, if I was presented with the opportunity to move to Dallas and just been like, nah, you know, I don't, I don't really feel like it. I never would have met Kiara. I never would have been able to have as much fun as I have. I wouldn't be as close to my family and those things that like, if I just didn't feel like it, or like made up whatever excuse, like I wouldn't have been able to do, you know, or even like just the amount of growth that comes from being able to just be like up in the air and be like, you know what? Yeah. Like, Oh, I'll do this. Oh, I'll do that. Sure. And also being able to, by having a down for whatever mentality, your mentor mentors will know that they can come to you with anything that they need help with last minute. So like, I know that Sarah can come to me I've always been a down for whatever person. Like I just, it's a lot of fun. I love the thrill of like, Ooh, what's happening today. But I would say that like, I know for a fact that Sarah, my, my boss and my mentor can come to me. She'll be like, Savannah, I need you to run this leaders meeting today. And, um, this might be a good topic. Uh, let me know what you, what you come up with. And I'll be like, sure. Sounds great. And I can throw something together. And the, what I learn in those moments are things like, adapt is strictly adaptability. So like I can just change my environment very quickly because I already know, like, I'm not stressed out about that. Right. That's, that's what I expected is being able to be down for whatever means that you're literally down for whatever's thrown your way. So like, I don't get upset when people, if Sarah came to me, was like, Hey, like, can you run this leaders meeting? If I was like, Oh, Oh, really, Sarah? Like, what if you gave me some notice? Like, I would have been happy. Like, if you just told me about this, like that wouldn't make a lot of sense right now. I mean, again, I, in turn, I understand why some people might be frustrated by those kinds of things, but in my head, I was already decided that like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Let's go ahead. And then it run, I, and, and then also from that, in order to be down for whatever, I think it comes down to preparedness, right? Because being able to like be in a position like that, I already have like a stack of meetings planned in the event that that ever happens to me. Right. And being prepared comes down to like the little things. Like I like every single night I lay out the clothes I'm going to wear tomorrow every night without fail. If I don't lay out the clothes I'm wearing the, that night for the day after my whole day is thrown off. Right. Because I have just spent another five minutes figuring out what the hell I'm going to wear. And then I'm like, Oh dang it. I forgot to do the laundry. Oh no, I didn't put it in the dryer. Oh no. I'm like 15 minutes behind. Right. So being able to be down for whatever comes from being prepared and 
so just, and it, it, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Like I literally, like earlier I told myself, I was like, you know what? I want to take five minutes to rearrange my closet. Now I didn't take everything out and put everything back by anything, by any means. I just put the pants where the pants are supposed to go. I put the shirts where the shirts are supposed to go. That was it. And my closet looks a million times better. And I feel much better going into the week this week because I know that like those things are organized. I don't have to worry about that. Therefore, I'm further setting myself up for success so that I know if Sarah calls me, she's like, hey, you know, I have this guy who wants to do a one-on-one with you. Can you be at the office in 10 minutes? I already have my clothes laid out so I can throw them on. I can jet out the door, right? Those little things that really help you be down for whatever. And I know I touched on this earlier, but I would say that, um, you know, lower your expectations because I think that something that I personally, and I don't want to make it sound like I don't ever get frustrated or that like I don't have to struggle with my attitude or anything like that because I really, really do. I think that that was one of the biggest things that I've struggled with in my professional career is that I get really, really upset sometimes. And I'm like, you know, I, I, woe is me, you know, like, oh, I had all these big goals. Like I'm going to do all these things. And I can't because of so many things that I cannot control, right? Like, I won't ever forget the day that Kiara called me and she was like, I have to move back to Waco. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's fine, I guess. I mean, it's not, but we'll work it out, right? Because like, as bad as it's, sucked like I knew that those were things that I can't control like I can't control that like the world was like you know crumbling apart you know not to be dramatic but you know that's certainly how it felt and like I certainly in that moment I was like no why god why but you know you figure it out and you go back to work the next day you hit standards so you can take interviews you take interviews and then you get promoted and it just is you just move on and I think being able to lower your expectation of the world and just finally decide that you have big goals. Like some of my biggest goals are like, I want to live internationally. I want to take my parents on trips. I want to buy my mom her dream handbag. And I want to buy my dad her, his dream car, right? Those things will happen. I've already decided that they're going to happen, but they will not happen the way I want them to happen, when I want them to happen or how I want them to happen. And that's just the reality. So I think that that'd probably be the biggest advice is that lower your expectations, go to class uh, and just be down for whatever guys. I love that advice about being down for whatever. And it really ties into a lot of the things that we teach or like at the business communication lab about public speaking and things like that. Um, you talked about being prepared. That's really the main part of being down for whatever, right? If you're not prepared, you really may not be prepared to be down for whatever because you don't have that foundation to help you succeed. And that's one thing I'm starting to learn jazz piano, which is very different than anything fun. I've done before. So fun. I love jazz. Yeah. And I've always just played from sheet music. It's always there. I can just read it and play it. But now it's, it's like improv based. So you have to come up with something on your own and be creative to come up with the, you know, jazz licks and whatever they are that they're called. And to do that, you have to know the chords and the scales and the foundation to even be able to do that. And it's not going to be great the first time. And, you know, it's, a lot of people are like, yeah, if, if I'm, if I put in some time, I'm, I should get a good finished product right away. And in reality, in your work for, in the workforce, in life in general, that may not happen. And so I think that's just fantastic advice. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, yeah, no, I definitely think that that's something that uh, me and you, Savannah, actually Ryan too, um, that we like all have in common. And I really like, it's like, I've always had a say yes mentality. That's always been like the number one thing, like on my list. And Ryan knows I'm always like doing something new, always trying something. Um, and I'm busy, but it's cause I keep my schedule like really like well put together. 
And so that's why I think it's so important for people, you know, to realize that as long as you're prepared, you got it. Like, it doesn't matter. Like take, take opportunity, take experiences. You never know where they're going to lead you. And quite honestly, like it just opens up so many new doors. So like, why not? Why not? Yeah, I'd agree. And I think that kind of, that's the exact like thought process I had for a lot of the biggest decisions I've ever made in my life. Like when I moved to Arizona, I was like, you know what? I'll go for the year. I'll go for the year. And if it really sucks that bad, then I'll move home. Right. Right. And like always told myself like, you know what, if it doesn't work out, like I can figure it out. Right. But it ended up working out. And I ended up just by making like one decision to move to Arizona, all these other things fell into place. You know, like I went to Arizona state, I, you know, joined the sorority that I did. I was elected to the social chair. I got all this management experience. I went to this event management firm, ended up not being what I expected, moved to Nashville because of that, you know, in turn, like the domino effect that led me to these decisions and so on and so forth. And I think that like all of that started with just being like, you know what, I'm going to do this thing. Yeah. And that's going back to what we talked about in our first episode, Kiara, about, you know, what we did with while we were quarantined and, you know, while when when the world threw a wrench in our plans, what do you do? And I think if, if some people are out there right now, very stressed out about, you know, if they're looking for a full time job or they're looking for an internship or they're like, you know, what what do I want to do with my life? Like, this isn't really what I'm thinking, anything like that. I think just going back to the basics and realizing that everything will work out as long as you, you know, start to invest in yourself. And it's like, okay, what can I do now? A small step, like you mentioned earlier, like setting your clothes out for the day or doing something small to prepare for whatever life throws at you. I think that's, that's something that is really small that people can do to just set their, set themselves up for success. Yeah, for sure. Everything happens for a reason. So yeah, so essentially what we gathered from today is, and I mean, in order to be adaptable, you know, you, you got to say yes, you got to take advantage of opportunities. So it all kind of wraps up to our main point, being adaptable is the key to success, honestly. Um, so Savannah, thank you so much um, for giving all of your input and your stories on adaptability. Um, a lot of our like previous episodes have been very like COVID uh, focused. And so it was nice and refreshing, you know, to have um, a talk about adaptability, but more so in like your own personal life and in your career. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and if you like what you hear, please uh, download, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're at it, follow us on Instagram at Walton Biz Talk. That is all for this week. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with more casual conversations about professional things.